Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Well, if you're joining us for the first time here as a guest, uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Brooklyn, and um, I'm excited to share a series today because, um, you know, it's like I shared in the past couple of sermons, but I'm the type that I need to know where I'm going before I leave any place. I need to know what I'm doing next. I need to know what I'm doing tomorrow. My Google Calendar needs to look full and complete. Um, all requests taken, all that stuff. I just need to know. And it's always a tough season when, I, when you read the scripture and so much of, uh, of the word and you see the stories of people in the Old Testament, New Testament, it's pretty unclear where everyone's going. <laughs> Okay, there's like a sense of direction of like God's promising this, but there's so much wandering in that season. Um, even between the time from the Old Testament to the New Testament, just the period of silence of God um, and no, no prophets, no, no, none of that. And so I look across scripture, I'm like, okay, so this is not, this is nothing strange. This is not foreign to anybody that there's a season of wandering and searching of being able to um, be in the wilderness and to find peace and comfort in that. Um, I know as people who are, uh, you know, maybe might be high achievers, okay, we, we, the wilderness is like the worst place. Like that in-between jobs and careers, that in-between phase, it, is, it, it just feels like an abyss. It just feels like this big void of what am I doing with my life? What am I doing in purpose? And what am I doing in, you know, do I have a calling? And we, we've kind of done this thing where we, we try to fill in all the blank spaces. We, we try to fill all the voids with something to drown out the anxiety, the worry, the discomfort. But throughout scripture, we see that time and time again, God teaches the people, the prophets and the, and the Israelites, that there's this wilderness period. Even Jesus, before he started his ministry, in the wilderness, being tempted. And so, um, I don't feel so out of place that whole Brooklyn has been wandering a little bit. Um, from place to place, from people to people, unfortunately, from neighborhood to neighborhood. There's been this season of wandering. And I'm going to be honest, I would love to be like, hey, next week, this is where we're landing for like the next 20 years. Um, man, that would be nice. For my peace of mind, <laughs> okay, if, if I have to look at one more listing on venues, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> if I send out one more email, right, it's just, I, I would love to just have a place where like, hey, God, God told me, 20 years, we're here, we're locked in. That would be beautiful. Um, and I know many of us are like, well, that's perfect. I don't have to look, check my email every week to know where we're meeting, what subways to take, what the events are happening around the area. But the reality is, there's a season in our life where we need to begin to just trust God. And that's been the season, the story that God's been pressing on my heart for us as Hope Brooklyn, but personally as well, God's faithfulness, that we're not looking to internal, external things, but we're looking towards God. And in the season, I can't tell you exactly physically where we might be, what life stage we might be in. Um, I'd love to know, have all those answers. Um, but one thing I, I'm confident in this is that God has built this community and he has sustained this community. God has built this church, and he has sustained this church. Um, the fact that even the place like this has opened up and within like a couple of weeks' notice, remarkable. It's this miracle of God. Um, it's, a, it's a miracle of God that there's a beauty of connection of partnerships and churches where, like, hey, our doors are open. 
And so we're thankful for that, but also looking through the history of Hope Brooklyn in a short time, I say history, but it's been like six years, um, and the history that God has been so faithful in his provisions, in the people that he has um, called to this church, whether in a staff position or a volunteer position, that God has put the right people in the room together to complete his mission. And so clearly we have a purpose of existing, we have a purpose of being here, we have a purpose of gathering. Um, we're not just here to just sing songs um, and then just go on of our day, kind of get that spiritual morale boost for the week. Um, but there's a direction that God is sensing and calling for us. And this year, what I really want us to focus on and hone in on, on everything that we do, um, for whether it's sermon series, events, gatherings, is for us to be able to cultivate spiritual milestones, um, spiritual markers in our life that we can identify and have it as pylons and pillars that when things um, go away, when chaos hits, when disruption hits, there's something to root us back to the heart of God. Um, and I think the pandemic really revealed a lot of things. Um, it revealed not just on a spiritual scale, but on a social scale, on a relational scale. And mo- like it, kinda, it just kind of brought everything to the surface. And it's ironic that through crisis, we kind of find out who we are. Right? We find out who is our support system. We find out who is our community. We find out all these things, all these unmet feelings or undealt feelings that we kind of pushed aside. Now we're just isolated at home and all these things come to the surface. The pandemic has really revealed a lot of things. And the, I think one of the things that's been catastrophic for the church, but also followers of Jesus, is that it really dealt a blow into the foundation of who we are as followers of God. It really revealed the layers of the relationship we have with God, whether it's been shallow or there's been deep roots and pillars built in. Um, Whether our faith has been strictly on the foundation of a Sunday gathering or has it built on the community or on the word of God. And And I think it's good to have those experiences where things are shaken and stirred. Um, maybe for some of us, we've been a Christian our entire life, and we never really sat with the heavy questions of who is God? Does evil exist? Why does evil exist? And all these existential questions that we never really dealt with, we're like, I, I was just taught to believe this and to follow it. Um, and that's so much of my early Christian faith. But the, mis- the, 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 the catastrophic thing is that we haven't built any foundation, so coming back to the heart of God has been this challenge of kind of just rebuilding a lot of things, rebuilding the foundation peeling back the layers of our theology and our truth and what we know. And so I, I want to spend this next year, and by next year, I don't mean till December, um, I mean from like now till next fall, coming to September, post-summer, for us as a church, how do we begin to build things, in, whether it's um, a physical milestone or if it's something spiritual, relational, how do we begin to build things where our identity is being rooted into God and not to the circumstances? And so we look at Joshua, um, Joshua 4, 1 to 8. And um, I, I love reading Joshua because Joshua is always like the number two guy. Um, you know, he, he kind of picked up where Moses left off. Um, it, it's, if you read Joshua 1, we're going to look into that passage a little bit later. But Joshua, um, after Moses passes, God's like, okay, now you, you take the people to the promised land. Right? And that's like, I always felt bad for Moses reading that. I mean, I'm sure Moses is living in full glory with the Lord in heaven. But man, all the suffering. And if you read the, read the passages of Moses' suffering, it was not an easy journey being a leader. He literally looks at God and says, God, either kill them or me. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Right? Like, this has, one of us has to go. 
He asked, what have I done to inherit this job? Okay, there's this lot of lamenting of God. He delivered them out of Egypt. He showed them miracle after miracle. I mean, parting the Red Sea alone is remarkable. But yet, all these things are happening, and the people are grumbling. They're turning away from God, and Moses is like, I can't keep holding this together. Right? I mean, have you guys ever tried to keep, like, a social chat room together sometimes? Okay, in the text group, it is a lot of work. All right, trying to keep it all together. And Moses just hanging on, just trusting in God. I mean, he went to go meet with God, came down with the commandments, and they're already worshiping golden calves. Right? He's like, Aaron, you had one job. Okay, just, just hold it together. <laughs> and yet he comes down and he's like, here's the word of God. And people are already worshiping something else. They needed something to soothe their souls. And so Moses goes through all this, and then at the end of his life, God's like, not you, Joshua. Joshua's going to take the people. He's going to cross the border into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. And so here Joshua, he begins his journey of now being the leader of the people of God. He takes them in across the Jordan into the promised land. All the suffering, all the stories, all the, all the history being passed out, they finally made it. And Joshua 4, 1 to 8 says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe. And tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests were standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. Then he carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Altars and memorials are a big piece of the history of God's people. Altars were a place where after, they, uh, some, uh, after prophets or the followers of God had an encounter with him, they created an altar to consecrate themselves, to make it holy, to, to dedicate this place as a reminder of God's faithfulness and his power. In the same way, these memorials that God is asking them, he's like, hey, you just had your kind of mini Red Sea moment crossing the Jordan, okay? You crossed on dry land and you made it across because of God's power and faithfulness. And he says, now go back. Pick up these stones, bring them back to your camp, and set them up as a memorial, as a reminder of his character and his promises. And so these, that's what these people do. They go across, Joshua takes them, they carry the stones, bring it back to their camp. And then the, I love this part where they say, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? See, the, the, the act of God and the things that God is doing through our community and through us is not just for us. There's a legacy that God has in mind. There's a promise that God has in mind to build spiritual milestones. Because how often do we forget? I mean, I, lately, um, after having a baby, like, my memory is shot. Okay? I, I put something down, and I spend the next 10 minutes looking for it. I don't remember where I put it. We've, um, Christy and I, we left the house on a, to go speak at a retreat in, in Pennsylvania, and we left all the bottles behind <laughs> Okay, or like, did, did I tell you, ask you to get it? It's like, no, I asked you to get it. I'm like, 
No, 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 I'm pretty sure I asked you to get in. And we just get to a point where we realize none of us remembered. And so we just, we're living in this like kind of fog moment, right? Just everything is a blur. I get a text message. I forget that the person has texted me. So if I haven't responded to you, please don't be angry at me. Just keep texting me till I respond, okay? But I'm, I'm living in this fog moment. I forget like where I'm going. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was on my way to church, but I was going towards Queens, okay? If you don't know, in the car ride, there's like, you know, you cro- I was about to cross the bridge, and I'm like, where am I going? I pause and think for a moment, and I just made it the longest detour of my life coming all the way back, right? Like, it's, I'm just living in that fog, and so how often do we forget? We, for, we forget, and um, maybe some of you are in a job-searching season, and it's always interesting hearing um, people's stories about the in-between period. Like, man, I can't wait till I get a job. And then they get the job, like, I love this job. This is my dream position. I'm so thankful to God that he has answered, he provided. And then months later, it's like, I hate this place, right? Like, why am I here? Like, I need to go. It's, it's so quick that we transition and we move on from the promises and provisions that have been made. And we forget about the faithfulness of God. And oftentimes in our own spiritual journey, we get into the season of chaos, disruption of hardship, of the storm. And we forget how faithful God has been along the way. We forget how faithful God has provided for us, how he's met us in these moments of a dead end, moments of where we feel like we have no place to go and he provides the way. He gives direction, he gives grace. And it's almost that story of how easily we forget how we have been forgiven. When somebody trespasses against us or if they, somebody has harmed us or, you know, has been bitter towards us or hurt us, we, we so quickly forget the forgiveness that we receive from God. And yet we, 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 we're, we're so slow to forgive others. It happens all the time. And God knows this. And God knows that we don't, he doesn't want the power and the legacy to stay with the people that have experienced it, but to be a testimony and a story of what God is doing continuously. So he reminds them, he said, go, pick up these stones, bring it back to the camp, set them up. And so when your kids ask, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? You can testify about my goodness and faithfulness, how I brought you across into the promised land, that I have kept my word through all the hardships, through all the unfaithfulness I've delivered you. And the beauty of these milestones and creating these memorials um, I can categorize it in three things. It gives us room to reflect, to rest, and to release. Reflecting and remembering is such a crucial part of our Christian faith. That's why we do communion every week. It's a way to remember. It's not just a small appetizer meal before the actual meal. It's, it's a way for us to remember that we take the bread and the body. I mean, the bread, the body, and the cup. We remember. We reflect. And oftentimes, we take moments that God has encountered us encountered with us and we forget and sometimes we need to go back to those moments maybe it's the moment that god first met us maybe it's a moment where god has delivered in his word and promise maybe it's it's a time where we just felt so unloved so unseen but then through prayer and interaction encounter of god he reminds us that we are his sons and daughters maybe there's seasons of our life that we've forgotten our identity and we're kind of just in this um like this this fog moment of this chaos, and God calls out to us, reminds us how beloved we are. Maybe God has delivered us from some vices and addictions, things that have controlled our life, 
anger, bitterness. God has freed us from that. He's provided grace and love and kindness, and yet we keep coming back to it because we've forgotten how much he has delivered us from. Or maybe there are things that we relied on the strength of God through prayer and to petition and lament. And after a while, we kind of figure it out and kind of do our own thing. And oftentimes, that's how it comes, in my case, for preaching. Early on, I was, I was 19 years old, called to ministry, and I was asked to preach a sermon. That thing took three months to put together for a 20-minute sermon, okay? And even afterwards, I was like, I totally butchered that. But all I remember is during those seasons, just petitioning and praying to God, please, I hope these people forget my words and remember your words, Okay? Because I was like, I don't want them to go back. But like, you know, he said this. It was kind of weird. And I was like, no, God, I want them to remember your words and your truth. And those seasons of fasting and prayer before each sermon. And after a decade or so, now it's like, I got this. All right, let me just put some notes together. I have some notes. I have some quotes I have, I have in directory. Like, you know, I, I just pull some things, extract some things. And God's just reminding and humbling. He's like, remember when you relied on my strength because you knew nothing. Remember when you relied on my strength because you were so lost. You didn't know what to do. And somehow as we mature and as we get older, we kind of figure out these steps on our own. And so these memorials that Joshua is calling them to, is saying take these things to reflect and to remember that you didn't cross the Jordan by your own strength. But it was by my miracle. That the promised land, the land of Canaan that they entered into, wasn't because of their faithfulness. I mean, they were doing everything they could to not get into that land. And God's like, even in your moments of unfaithfulness, I've been faithful to you. I've kept my promise. It's a reminder and a reflection to the promises of God and his character. Secondly, it allows us to rest. As we reflect and remember, we have the ability to rest. We're able to rest because we trust not in ourselves, but in the promise and the character of God. And in Joshua 1, in the original calling for Joshua, it says, after the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. In verse 3 here, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. And it's interesting to kind of pause on that verse and to remember that. Because as they entered into the promised land, it wasn't easy from there on. <laughs> they were like, oh, we're setting up camp, we're good. A long, long tenure of, of entering and making that land, God's land, was crucial. And his promise was, I'll give you every place where you set your foot. There is action that God is calling to the people of Israelites. It's like, don't just stand idle, but set, set your foot and plant it. <clears throat> It says, and then your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river to Euphrates and the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. There was a promise that God made to Moses uh, and to Joshua, saying you can rest because I will be your strength. And many times through Joshua, some of the maybe a verse that we recognize is be courageous, be bold. Not because we have strength, but because God's strength is what we rely on. And so there are moments when we're in panic, and I'm going to be honest, the season has been a lot of panic, <laughs> okay? When I hear, hey, um, you don't have a space for this Sunday, I'm like, cool, 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 cool. All right, let me just start picking some phone call. It's panic, right? When the crisis hits, there's, always, there's panic. And there's seasons of God, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing? 
Are you sure you wanted me in this position? <laughs> you know, I went to like a leadership conference this past weekend and I'm looking across all these leaders. I'm like, man, any one of these candidates are amazing. <laughs> and I begin to wrestle with my calling and identity. And then God reminds me time and time again, no, you don't rest in your strength, but you rest in my strength. We are able to rest because we know the one that's in control. And even though everything is not going according to our plan, God has a vision. Even though we can't see the future, even though we can't see the next steps in front of us, even though, and I love when the, uh, someone gave me this analogy, I, I, I want to see the entire staircase before I go up. Okay, I need, to, I need to brace myself. When I go hiking, I need to know exactly how far I'm hiking up. Okay, I hate hiking. All right, so I've been tricked into longer trails than expected. All right, it's like, it's a short trail. Short, okay, cool, cool. Go up, I'm like 10 miles up, literally climbing walls. I'm like, okay, this is not what I expected. All right, I need to know, I need to see, okay? Um, God bless Christy because she's, she's been married and dating me for a long, long season of just, I need to know. She's like, I can't just go with it. Like, no, I need to know. And some of us, we just like to see the entire staircase. We like to see how we're going to encounter and how we're going to tackle these circumstances and these problems. And maybe some of you are problem solvers in this room. You, 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 you create the vision. You create the plan. Um, if you've done any escape the room, I, I've done it once and I'm never doing it again. Okay, escape the room. Um, if you've never done it, it's a true test of your friendship. Okay, I didn't go with friends. I went with a bunch of middle school students. I wanted to pull my hair out. Okay, because I'm, like, I'm just going to go for fun, right? Let's let them do their thing. And they're just ripping up the entire room. Like there's a sequence and there's an order of how you need to do this. Right? Like, no, I found this. I'm like, no, 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 not yet. Okay, we need to figure out what this does first. It's driving me crazy. And so for us, you know, sometimes we just come to the room and we like to t- observe and know how we're going to tackle this problem and to get to the solution. But unfortunately, there are a lot of times where we just only, we're only able to see what's directly in front of us. Barely. We get to barely see the first step. We don't get the whole blueprint. And I hate that. It, it stirs up so much anxiety. It stresses me out. And I realize that's how God has been testing me in my seasons of transition of the sermon. Um, you know, usually, maybe for some of us, and God speaks, I mean, not for some of us, all of us, God speaks in different ways. But for me, I think God obviously knows my heart. So when I'm in a very tough decision to make in a tra- period of transition, he gives me multiple choices, multiple options. And I know it's a weird thing to complain about, but like none of these options are bad. They're all great options. And I'm like, God, just, I just want to just throw, like, just throw a dart and then like, that's that, that one. I'll just, I'll just go with it, right? right? It looks, I could just be faithful to any single one. Just tell me. But he doesn't. <laughs> he just opens doors and he's like, all right, which one am I calling you to? I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. All right, maybe some of us, God just narrows it down like this is the only option. Like, oh, perfect, easy. But I realized I need to learn how to discern in those seasons and those processes, being able to listen and to just rest. And usually, you know what happens? It becomes the least, the option that comes to me is usually the least, least likely and pleasant one. I'm like, this doesn't make sense logically, pragmatically. God, I like this option. It's very convenient. God's like, no, no, no. This is the one I'm calling you into. It's hard to be in a position where God's calling you to stay when you want to go. That's been such a long battle for me in seasons of ministry. 
I'm like, God, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. God's like, no, I want you to stay. And I'm like, do you not know my circumstances here? Nobody likes me. I'm not talking about Hope Brooklyn, okay? Hopefully, you guys like, I don't know. I don't know, all right? If there's a problem, you can write in the connection card and let me know, okay? But there's, there's seasons where I'm like, nobody likes me here, right? <laughs> there's, everyone's making it difficult. I should just go. And God's like, no, stay. I'm like, why? <laughs> and often in those seasons, God has taught me to rest. He's taught me to rest and find rest in him. And so these memorials, we reflect, we remember, we rest. And the final direction that I always sense with God in these memorials or these places of altars and dedication is releasing. Um, I think many of us here, we have a hard time letting go. Whether it's past grudges or maybe there's a hope that God had had for, that God has given us a dream. And that dream has been deferred or it's changed, it's been modified. And we're still holding on to that so tightly. And we lost sight of God in those moments. It hurts to release. It hurts to let go. Um, I know some of us, if you have any, if you deal with anger issues, um, I've dealt with anger issues, family, loved ones. I love holding on to the anger because it reminds me to keep my walls up. I love holding on to the anger because it teaches me Motivation. You know, if you if you met any like competitive athlete, I'm not saying I'm, com- I'm a competitive athlete. I'm just competitive. But if you meet any competitive athlete, they they use that anger and that motivation. You know, and there's some wild athletes like on a premier level, they'll create narratives in their head <laughs> before they step onto the field or the court. Like, oh, this person said this about me. Like, no, I didn't. So like, yes, you did. <laughs> right? We generate these things. And even in anger, I've used it as ways to be like, okay, I'm never going to get hurt like that again. I'm going to remind myself not to take a chance. Because the last time I took a chance on somebody, they abandoned me. The last time I trusted someone, they betrayed me. We use these things and we hold on to it. And sometimes we use things of the past. And unfortunately, it happens a lot in churches as well. It happens in the faith community. When we hold on to, and um, sometimes people just share one moment of encounter they had of God. And, you know, it's like the, the, the novel-worthy story. Right? It's such an amazing testimony. And, and that's kind of like the only thing they, they remember and recall that God has done in their life. I'm like, well, what has God done 10 years since then? It's like, I don't know. Just kind of just go through the routine. We hold on to that one encounter that's been so enriching, so powerful, and we don't want to let go. But the reality is, when God talks to the people of Joshua, this isn't the end of the story. Just because they crossed the Jordan, God isn't saying, all right, I'm done, my job is over. No, God understood there's going to be hardships and a journey ahead of them. And he knew that there's something more that God has in store for the people that, that Joshua was leading. There was so much more. But unfortunately, memorials, what we do is we camp out at these memorials in the middle of it. And we we refuse to let go. We don't want to release. We don't want to release the the pain, the hurt, the addictions that God has freed us from. We don't want to be able to forgive the people that have hurt us. We hold on to that. We hold on to that bitterness. And in these moments of memorials, we realize that as we reflect, remember, and we rest, God is giving us power and permission to release. He's giving us permission to release the trauma, the hurt. God is giving us power and authority to release 
these stories and God is generating new ones. There's a new wine skin that God is creating. It doesn't end here. Like the story of Hope Brooklyn isn't over. There, there, isn't the, there, there is no glory days of Hope Brooklyn. It's Hope Brooklyn and what God is going to continue to do in our church. That's it. I know sometimes we kind of memorialize the wrong things. We memorialize events because of the way it made us feel. We memorialize certain, uh, certain in- encounters because that's how it- it's good to have those memories and they enrich and they develop an cr- amazing narrative and story. But the reality is God's work is not done. His work is not done in our lives. He- just because we got saved 20 years ago doesn't mean that that work is done. God is continually working in us. God is not done with what he's doing in Hope Brooklyn. And I'm going to be honest. I don't know how long we're going to be wandering for. Okay? I wish I knew. I wish I opened up my email right now and I got a confirmation letter. 20 years, we're locked in. (laughs) Beautiful location. Okay? We have all the amenities. (laughs) But I know one thing for sure. That whether there's an organization titled Hope Brooklyn, whether there's an official building or an official group, that I'm going to be around because I know that God is not done of the work that he's doing at all Brooklyn. Whether we meet here at the park, whether we meet on Atlantic, during Atlantic Antics, I don't know. Okay, meet in front of the school that we used to meet at, I don't know, at the park. It doesn't matter because the church isn't about just a location and a building. Location and buildings are nice. It creates stability. But there was no stability for the people of God in the story. It was just a journey. And in our spiritual lives, we like to camp out in one place because it makes us safe, comfortable, and convenient. We don't like our faith being challenged just a little bit so we feel like we're working at something, but not enough that it changes our lives. We like God to challenge us in our comfort a little bit so we can make modifications and adjustments to our spirituality. But when's the last time God has entered into our story, entered entered into our lives, and spoke a word so powerful that it completely changed the direction and the approach that we have towards him and towards people? When's the last time God has approached us about our jealousy and our covenant heart? When's the last time God has approached us about the the behaviors that have been destructive to to the people around us, our friends, our family? When's the last time God has encountered us with love so great, so beyond, that we've just been enamored all week by it? When's the last time God's story has shaken us to the core? That love is overflowing and abundant. See, when we look at these memorials, the greatest memorial we have today is obviously the cross. It's not just, we're not just staring at stones, we're staring at a cross. A cross where our Savior was fixed on as his eyes were fixed on us. The memorial today for us to reflect, to rest, and to release is as we look at the cross we realize that Jesus, as he gave his life, has provided rest to us in our weariness, in our anxiety, in our disturbance, in our chaos. God has given us the power to be able to be released from those strongholds, that the trauma that has been captivating us and controlling our lives and our behavior and our thinking, God has given us something to remember. St. Augustine says this, the death of the Lord our God should not be a cause of shame for us, Rather, it should be our greatest hope, our greatest glory. In taking upon himself the death that he found in us, he most faithfully promised to give us life in him 
such as we cannot have of ourselves. The cross is the ultimate memorial and sign of hope for us. It's not a building. It's not a location. Maybe for a church stability, that is, right? Maybe it's sustainable revenue, right, uh, of financially being, being stable. Like, those are not the signs of hope for us. It's not that we have a large crowd of, of 150, 200 people. That's not the sign of hope. It's a sign that we might be doing something right. <laughs> but the true sign of hope is the cross. And that I want people to be gravitated towards the cross and the story of Jesus, not the story of Hope Brooklyn. I want people to be gravitated towards the work of the cross and not the laborers in the church that are hired and staffed. I want the story of the cross to be the most compelling thing for people as they enter and they want, they're hungry for that. I know we have some awesome food <laughs> and we have some awesome communities and awesome tables, but for table leaders here, what is your cell? <laughs> what is the compelling thing about your gathering? It could be your hospitality, it could be your kindness, it could be your cooking. But I want the most compelling thing for us to be about Jesus. I want our children and our families to be gravitated towards gathering, not because we have cool bean bags and a nice room, but because the story of Jesus is alive and well in those moments together. That they're thriving in the story and grace of what God has done for us. The death of the Lord our God should not be a cause of shame for us. Rather, it should be our greatest hope, our greatest glory. I don't want our glory to be in moments and events that we've done in the past. I want our greatest glories to be found in baptisms. I want our greatest glory to be found in people coming and saying, I knew nothing about Jesus, but I have found a greater love that I could not, never find anywhere else. I want the story and the glory of people coming in saying, I don't have much, but I am so content in who I am with Jesus. I, I dream of a church that that's the church we're going to be. I want Jesus to be our greatest hope, our greatest glory and the cross to be our memorial. And, you know, I love, I love sentimental things. I love meeting here, because I've gone through um, old Instagram pictures of Hope Brooklyn and our website and stuff like that, and seeing the gathering that happened here, I'm like, wow, what a great story that God is unraveling, right? Even the provisions, the ways that he provided the school in the season, location after location, wandering. I love just reminiscing on those stories. But more than the story itself, I want to reminisce on God's faithfulness. And so that's what I'm inviting us into this year. Cultivating spiritual milestones. For us, what does that look like? Maybe for some of us, we've been a follower of Jesus saying, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his grace is sufficient for me. And we never made the decision to be, get, be baptized. Let me know. <laughs> I would love to have a baptism. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a spiritual marker, spiritual milestone, saying that, God, I've made a commitment. It's essentially a Christian's wedding day, right? Um, it's, it's a way to declare and share with the church and the community, saying that I've made a commitment to follow Jesus. And then as a community, we're making a commitment to saying, hey, we're going to journey with you on that. And so if you've not made a decision, let me know. Or maybe you're sitting here with questions. Don't spend another year, year with those questions, thinking to, thinking to yourself, have those conversations to have that conversation of wonder and discovery. I want this year to be a year of spiritual milestones. How are we growing? How are we moving forward? 
Maybe our biggest milestone is just having a conversation about Jesus with somebody else. <clears throat> Sitting down and just having that moment saying, hey, do you know Jesus? Do you know what he has done? Do you know who he is to me? Maybe we, we've lacked that boldness and courage. Maybe that's a spiritual milestone God's calling you to. I don't know. But we're going to journey this year together. And we're going to discover that together through our sermon series, our tables, our gatherings, all, all these things we want to focus on building around. How do we remember? How do we rest? And how do we spend time releasing the things that God has called us to release?